You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to our first installment of our summer series, Countdown to Camp. Starting now and through July, we'll be taking a deep dive into every position, priming on you what to expect from each, what to pay attention to at training camp and the preseason, and so much more. I'm Errol Soldewitt, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. We could not be more excited to begin Countdown to Camp because it just means we're one step closer Two Bears football. In fact, we're 16 weeks to the day away from kickoff against the Packers, week one, Thursday night. But Nick, over to you real quick. How's Bears Fit been treating you? Oh, it's been great. Um, It's a great gym. Anytime I go to, which is really nice, it's never been crowded. So five o'clock prime time hour for anybody to go work out. Nobody's there. And yesterday I was there. Roy Robinson Harris was there was uh girlfriend or girlfriend or wife. And then their, their child, they were just kind of running around, kind of exploring uh, the gym. So I've just been seeing a lot of Bears people in the organization and more and more are starting to show up, which is pretty cool. But the gym itself, amazing. Get a good lift in. Found out I still have hops. Have you guys ever done box jumps before? No. No. Well, the, all you do is you literally jump on a box and you stack them up to see how high you can go. Apparently, I still have hops. So, yeah, but it's been great, though. How tall are those boxes? They're, they're pretty tall. I mean, if you're jumping as high as me, which is, again, not the tallest, <laughs> it's still a good. You still got to jump pretty high. All right. And Brandon, <laughs> uh, over the last week, uh, you, me, and Nick, we were kind of debating internally which position on offense to begin with. And I believe we made the right choice because, Brandon, where are games won and lost again? The trenches. Exactly. That was a little overboard, but I appreciate the enthusiasm <laughs> that you brought with that answer. But yes, today's episode is all about the Chicago Bears' offensive line. What should we expect from the starters who have been together for quite some time now? James Daniels, of course, being the newest to that bunch. What are going to be the battles for these depth positions that we should be paying attention to? Which undrafted free agents, there are five, actually wait now, there are six of them, have the best shot at making the roster? We're going to answer those questions and a whole lot more throughout the show. So here we go. Let's begin Countdown to Camp 2019, and let's begin by taking a look at the starting five, and let's just kind of keep it organized and go left to right. So starting at left tackle, Charles Leno Jr. He's our Pro Bowl left tackle. Always fun to say that. Uh, we saw our best year from Leno a year ago. He's been a player who seems to elevate his game in each and every season. We've been talking about this really since 2015 on this podcast. It's just been so much fun to watch Charles Leno Jr. develop throughout his time here in Chicago. So, guys, I want to know, what are you going to be expecting from Charles Leno Jr. this year? Can he take another step? Can he become, dare I say, an all-pro? What kind of year do you see in store for number 72 is kind of where I'm getting at here. And, Brandon, since you are Mr. Trenches and you have the enthusiasm today, let's go over to you first. Yeah, I think all-pro would be kind of cool, and I wouldn't definitely would not rule that out. 
uh, especially since he took another leap uh, the first year with Harry Heastand as the, the offensive line coach, I would be really interested to see how big of a leap he can take again because he really eliminated the holding penalties that seemed, you know, we kept questioning, you know, when's that going to happen throughout the game? Because you got to mark him down for at least one. Uh, and that, that happened, you know, he eliminated that by really moving his feet, uh, especially a lot better, got a lot better, you know, moving vertically, not vertically, horizontally, uh, side to side. So I, I think if he can continue to do that uh, and win the point of attack, uh, then there's no reason that he shouldn't be at least considered in the All-Pro uh, because I think he's going to continue to just get better. Yeah, no, he, like we said, every year he gets better. But last year you mentioned leap. It felt like a leap in many regards because not only did he really cut back on those holding penalties, he had a very tough season in terms of the quality of competition that he was facing throughout it. I mean, we can talk about all of the matchups we did last season throughout the podcast, but it seemed like each and every week we're like, all right, Leno Jr. has a very tough matchup ahead this week. And and on, when Sunday rolled around, it was pretty much quiet from his side of things, which, of course, is a Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Exactly what you want from the blind side. So, Nick, over to you. What are going to be your 2019 expectations for Charles Leno Jr.? You know, to stay the same that it's been with Charles Leno Jr. ever since he got the job at that starting left tackle, just to be consistent and reliable. Last season, he played 99.26% of the snaps. The guy just never comes off the field. You can always count on him to be healthy, do his job right. And when I was watching and just preparing for this podcast and watching the four, four to five hours of film, it was just when I was looking at each one of these guys on the line, Charles Leno Jr., there's just not a lot of negative things that he does. Like you guys said, he's someone that is tasked with probably guarding one of the better edge rushers on an opposing team, but he's usually doing that by himself. So even when he's tasked with having to block one of the better you know, edge rushers in the league for each team, he's going to get it consistently done. Now, the thing with me, what I want to see him do a little bit better at times when I was watching the film, sometimes he was a little late out of his stance. And against some of the better pass rushers in the league, that's definitely going to hurt you and it's going to put your quarterback you know, in potential uh, you know, cases where he's going to have to run outside the pocket or potentially get sacked. So I think for 2019, just want to see more of what Charles Leno did last year, just being reliable, being able to stay healthy, which he's shown consistently throughout his career. But I think if he could do that, that's what you really want out of Charles Leno Jr., especially being a former seventh-round draft pick, and he's way exceeded his, uh, his draft uh, position. So if he can stay consistent with what he's done so far, that would be great for this Bears offensive line. All right, so you talked about one thing you want to see him improve upon. Is there anything that you saw last year when re-watching him that you want him to kind of sustain, kind of keep on the same pace? I think that Charles Leno Jr., when he tagged teams with whoever that left guard was, and at times it was Eric Cush, at times it was James Daniels, uh, just to have that chemistry still that he did last year with maybe now it's going to be Cody Whitehair because of the change that's going to happen among that offensive line this season. But I want him to have that same consistency that he had with whoever the left guard was. I think that's very important for an offensive line. If you can move in one cohesive unit, if everyone needs to step down right, 
That's exactly what I want to see Charles Leno do. So he's going to have somebody new next to him. So make sure those two guys are always going to be on the same page. So they were on the same page last year, whether it was Kush or Daniels. So I want to see Charles Leno Jr. still consistently be on the same page with whoever the left guard is. And presumably it's going to be Cody Whitehair. Yeah, we'll see exactly how that shakes out. We can talk about this throughout this episode, of course. Uh, For me, one thing that I'm looking to see sustained, and Brandon, you already alluded to it, it's going to be uh, the lack of penalties because a couple of seasons ago, that was a big issue for him. But he really cleaned those up. In particular, you talked about the holding ones, but another one that stood out to me when recollecting last season is the pre-snap penalties, the false starts, those kind of, uh, you know, the holdings as well. Like you mentioned, those aren't pre-snap. But the pre-snap penalties, those are drive killers. So are holding penalties. So penalties in general for Charles Leno Jr., if you can kind of stay in that same pace that he did last year. I saw, I think PFF only had him pegged at six penalties. Pro Football Reference had zero penalties contributed to him last year. Don't think that was the case. I do believe there were a couple. But regardless of the fact, it was minimal. And if you can keep it minimal and keep those minimized, the Bears offense should be in pretty good shape overall. At least it won't kill any drives, that is. Uh, what about you, B? Anything that you want to see him either sustain or anything that you are kind of looking to have him take another step in? Yeah, Nick made a good point uh, about Cody Whitehair potentially moving to, to left guard this year. And that's something that you got to be able to, to work with. Uh, I know that, you know, Leno's had to have rotating pieces at that position in the past. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of chemistry he can build with Cody White here. Granted, it's been the same unit. They all know each other. They're all very close guys, uh, but you got to be able to be in in sync with the other guy. Your footwork's got to be roughly the same because you're, you're basically building a wall. Uh, you know, obviously keep the offensive line from getting to the quarterback, the running back, whatever. So being able to, to be in sync and know what he's going to do in certain situations, who's going to pick up who, having that, that line of communication down, I think that's something that's going to have to be uh, stressed upon regardless if it's James Daniels or Cody White here. All right. Let's move right down the line here. Now it's a toss-up. And let's go ahead and just begin with James Daniels because this is where he started a year ago. And last year's second-round pick, appeared in all 16 games after splitting reps with Eric Cush, ended up taking the starting role before the midpoint of the season. Uh, he did get a help from a couple of injuries, but I think we can all agree that he was more than ready for the job when that time kind of came. Uh, Daniels himself had a very strong rookie year, checked all of our boxes in the terms of proving that he can be a long-term answer on our offensive line. Uh, he recently graduated from the University of Iowa, which I know puts a smile on Nick's face as well. And it's been said now during minicamp that this offseason, they are experimenting with moving him to center and Cody Whitehair over to left guard, which, of course, we hear it. I'm going to wait and see it. That's going to be something I'm paying attention to right away in camp. Who's lining up where? First snap of training camp. That's going to be one of my number one things to pay attention to right out the gate. Um, but anyway, getting back to James Daniels. Strong rookie year. Things are looking up for him. And, of course, when you're looking at his promo images that the Bears uh, tweeted out a week ago, it does seem like he's bulked up a little bit, which, again, he's only 21. He's at that ripe age where he can still add some mass to his frame. Uh, That should only accelerate and have him excel to a higher degree in 2019. But, Nick, since you guys share an alma mater, I'm going to go to you first. What do you envision being in store for James Daniels in 2019? Is it going to be position switch? What do you have? Yeah, so I'm envisioning a position switch. So him going to uh, left guard now and just being, or sorry, to center, going from left guard to center. And I think with James Daniels, uh, obviously he has familiarity with 
playing center at Iowa. And that's what we thought, you know, he was going to play when uh, the Bears drafted him. But obviously the switch and he seemed to be just fine at guard. But I think with James Daniels, I don't think you have to really worry uh, too much of how the chemistry is going to be with Mitch. Yes, there's going to be some growing pains as uh, it should be with any new center quarterback combination. But I think James Daniels is just a very natural offensive lineman to where wherever you put him in that interior, he's going to excel. So, I mean, just seeing what he did last year, just the upgrade over Eric Cush. I watched the Cardinals game, the second game against the Vikings and the Rams game. You could see the monumental difference between that Cardinals game and let's just say that Rams game and how the offensive line was able to generate a push. And a big, big credit goes to how James Daniels was playing. And look, he had to guard Aaron Donald at times. A bunch of that offensive line had to guard Aaron Donald at times. So it, it just shows that he's able to move in space just be able to identify who he's supposed to block, get up to the second level, and he just moves well for a bigger guy. The one thing that I do want to see James Daniels do, though, um, against uh, this is also I watched a little bit of the Bills tape because I remember Charles Leno Jr. had a little bit of a struggle there with the the pre-snap penalties, Um, but it was against the nose tackles when they were able to get their hands off of James Daniels or James Daniels' hands off of them they were able to you just get interior pressure. And that interior pressure is going to kill any kind of quarterback. So it's just being able to be stronger at the point of attack. And like you said, Will, he has added some mass to his frame. So hopefully that helps him to just keep blockers at bay. But I think with James Daniels, we saw a lot of upside. And even though he might be making this transition from guard to center, I have full confidence that he's going to be able to do that and make this uh, transition seamlessly. Now you talked about him being able to understand his duties during a play. How do you feel about him being that center to make sure that everybody's on that same page? Yeah, so that's obviously going to be a bigger task for him. But again, he's a smart guy. I really think that Iowa and just what they're able to do with their linemen, they just really build them up well. So when they go to the NFL, they are NFL ready. They're pro ready. So yes, he's learning a new position, different assignments. But I think even playing guard, he's going to know already one position, what he's supposed to do. Now, obviously, he has to learn his responsibilities. But I'm fully confident, again, that James Daniels is going to make the transition well, is going to learn the responsibilities. And when you have a coach like Harry Heastan, that's always going to help because he's going to get the best out of you as a lineman. So, yes, there is another task that's added on to a very young player. Like we just said, 21, just graduated from the University of Iowa just a couple days ago. But I think he's ready for it. And this is his natural position again. So I think he is ready for that that uh, that challenge. Brandon, what are your thoughts on James Daniels going all natural? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. Cody Whitehair is the only center that Mitch has known since being in the league. Uh, they seem to, to gel pretty well last year. There weren't many snap issues with white hair, so I don't see a reason to, to really make that change. And I like James Daniels at left guard uh, better, really any guard position for Daniels, just because he's a more athletic guy. Like Nick said, he can move really well. So that that uh, bodes well for him playing that position because he can pull on the run plays really well. And I think that's something that he has over Cody Whitehair because we haven't hardly seen Whitehair move like that and you don't really have to at center we've we've seen him move around the line a bunch of times I think he played three or four offensive line positions in a game you know three years ago um, but I think that the James Daniels is just a much better fit uh, at at left guard because like we said we've seen him take on the Aaron Donalds and granted he needs some help but again like Nick says well with Harry he stand it's going to come down to a lot of technique keep your hands on him keep your feet moving and I think that he's going to play much better at left guard than he will at center. Now, for me, regardless of what position James Daniels end up playing next year, I envision him have to have success. Uh, that's first and foremost for me. 
Uh, when I'm looking at training camp, some things I'm going to be paying attention to, and I already alluded to it, is who's lining up where from the get-go. But more importantly, I think something that's going to tell us right away what the Bears' plans are is how those reps are split, if they are even splitting reps by that point. If James Daniels is playing center and Whitehair is at guard and it's just that way, fine. Or if it's 50-50, I still think you lean Daniels at that point. But if they do have a hunch that it's still going to be Cody Whitehair, I see them making that kind of move early. That way you can really start to solidify what we talked about earlier in the show with uh, technique being you know in sync with all your other linemen. Because the more you move these guys, it just leads for more room for error, margin for error when you kind of do that. So hopefully the Bears have a decision or make a decision sooner rather than later. Maybe they get to do it throughout that mini camp that happens in June. That way once we get to training camp, we know for certain. Uh, but regardless, as it stands today, the, where they line up, First day of training camp is one of the things that I'll be paying attention to. Nick, how about you? Do you have anything? Are you going to see how, just how big James Daniels is now? Is that going to be your thing? That might be. I'm looking to try to add some mass myself, so I just can maybe ask James Daniels if I get to talk to him how he did it. But, yeah, I think that's going to be a key thing. Um, so, Will, you actually mentioned um, it would be it would be great if the Bears make this decision early on. But remember with Cody Whitehair back in 2016 when he was drafted, they actually moved him to center a week before right. the 2016 mm-hmm. season started. It would be great if it's established, but with the Bears, they might just make that decision. I think they did the same thing similarly with Kyle Long when he they moved it to was tackle. when he was yeah, moved to tackle. It was like a week before the season. It's like, why why not establish this sooner? So it would be like I said, it'd be great, but the Bears they like to take their time, especially with their linemen and solidifying what position. I don't know that benefits like maybe a opposing team not knowing where a guy's going to line up. But I, I would think it would be better for the whole entire unit if you could just establish where each guy's actually going to play when it comes to week one of the season. Now, I can see it when you get to training camp, though, if you want to kind of like, I'm not going to say baby feed Daniels a position a little bit, but sort of taking those baby steps uh, to make sure you don't overload him. That could be a potential reality that I can accept. Uh, but yeah, regardless, I even think Daniels, like you mentioned, Nick, and like I said, no matter where he plays, I expect success because we saw him in training camp last year playing a lot of center before they decided to peg home at guard, and he did very well. He's playing with his twos and the threes, which I get, um, but we saw what he can do against the ones throughout the regular season, so I don't really envision a switch to center really changing that all too much for him. All right, guys, let's move over to Cody Whitehair. He's been an anchor up front, as you guys mentioned, for a few years now, and I thought he did a great job. And Brandon, you already alluded to this, taking one of his weaker points of his game, which was that shotgun snap, and turning that into a non-issue a year ago. Now, outside of that, Whitehair, he played very well all year, ended up going to the Pro Bowl. But now, guys, he's entering a very pivotal point in his career because now, in 2019, that's going to be the final year of his rookie deal. And now with a potential position change, that just takes up uh, the pressure on him just another notch. So with Whitehair being in that contract year, obviously he's hoping to play at a high level to earn himself a nice payday in the very near future. Brandon, I want to go over to you first. What are you going to be expecting out of White here this, this this season? And obviously you already mentioned you envisioned him starting center week one. I do. So you took my first point away, expecting the start <laughs> at center. Uh, but he's, he's good in the run blocks. So that's something I continue to, to see him expect him to be strong at, uh, especially given the opportunity, I think the more limited opportunities that they're going to have to run the ball, it's going to be a more pass happy offense, which is, you know, still a strength. Cody Whitehair is just a, a mean guy, but he's much meaner going downhill attacking guys that way rather than sitting back and, and waiting for the guys to come to him. So I, I expect him to get better, continue to get better in pass pro. Not that he was the the weak link by any means, because there wasn't a whole lot of pressure that ever came up the middle 
uh, the Bills game, uh, like we mentioned earlier, I believe some of the Eagles game as well in the playoff. But other than that, can't really think of too many instances where Cody Whitehair was the weak link in that offensive line. So just continue to see him be the, the mean bully that he is, especially in run blocking situations. Uh, I expect him to have the most success there. Now, Nick, rookie year, Cody Whitehair. Very good year. Sophomore year, Cody Whitehair. Kind of a down year. Third season, he moved back up. Does he have another downswing? I don't think so with the contract year. Yeah, definitely don't envision Cody Whitehair having a down year. Regardless if he's at center, I think he'll play left guard this season. Um, But just watching the tape from him and just the games that I watched, um, I know, Brandon, you mentioned like him moving in space. Maybe he's not his best... uh, best attribute like James Daniels is because he's just such an athletic offensive lineman. But I was really impressed with how Cody Whitehair was able to get in space, especially when they had the center and right guard, Kyle Long, even moving to the left for a counter play going left. It's really Cody Whitehair's balance, him being able to, one, maneuver through traffic, and if there's maybe like a hiccup in the play, one of his offensive linemen bumps into him, I like how he's able to stay on his feet and then identify the guy he's supposed to block uh, it was against the Cardinals where poor, poor cornerback just gets pancaked. <laughs> and obviously Cody Whitehair versus a, a little corner. Whitehair is going to win that battle 10 times out of 10. So I really like that he's able to, one, recover if there's a hiccup in the back, especially when he's pulling, and being able to identify the guy he's supposed to block. And that's why I think he is really a good center. Because like we mentioned earlier, James Daniels, if he does move there, has to identify what everyone's supposed to do. Well, you could just tell Cody Whitehair knows his responsibilities, where he's supposed to be, and especially when they ran screenplays. Again, it was usually Cody Whitehair usually finding his guy. I know a couple times Kyle Long and there was even Massey out there trying to block. They, they're kind of there, but no, Cody Whitehair is making his presence known, especially to those defenders that are not wanting any of this 300-pound you know, behemoth of a man coming at him. So I really like that from Cody Whitehair. The one thing that I will say um, that this goes for most of the linemen just from the tape I've watched, but it's when they're asked to block and then go to their second assignment. So what I mean by that is just if there's a nose guard, you're helping block them, but then Cody Whitehair's second responsibility after helping Kyle Long on the nose, go up to this linebacker and guard and block this guy. At times, Cody Whitehair would just get too much involved with maybe trying to put Kyle Long in the best position possible to where he puts himself in a bad position, is late to get to the second-level linebacker. And that that happened really with a bunch of these linemen. It's just a hard thing to do, especially Eric Cush. And that's why when James Daniels came in, it really stepped up the, the elevation of just the whole entire unit's play. But that's something that I want to see, regardless if Whitehair is at center or at guard, when he's tasked with maybe double doubling one guy, get to your original assignment effectively and efficiently so then the play doesn't get blown up. There are a couple times where Cody Whitehair is a little bit late. The running back, Jordan Howard, uh, predominantly in the games I watch, wasn't able to get to the line of scrimmage, was tackled maybe a yard back just because he wasn't able to get to his actual assignment. Here's a Okay, I hate to take a step backwards here, but I feel like talking about Whitehair and Daniels at the same time makes sense right now, given the situation. Do you envision, then, if Daniels is playing center uh, with his quickness and his ability to that he can reach the second level a little quicker? No, I think that's why they maybe want to move James Daniel at center because I think he's the best lineman at getting to either side of the field the fastest, too. So, uh, obviously, if he's at left guard, he's going to take a lot longer to get to the right side of the line of scrimmage as opposed to the left side because they're already playing there. So, if you put James Daniel at center, 
he has the equal distance apart to get to wherever he needs to get to. So that's why I think maybe the move would make the most sense. And I look, I think Cody Whitehair is still pretty good at polling and getting to his position, but James Daniels is the best offensive lineman at doing that. So putting him in the center and just to wherever Harry, he stand, wherever the play needs to go, these RPOs, he's going to be the most effective at doing that. So that's why I think it makes the most sense. Yeah, no, exactly. When he, I, that's exactly why I wanted to bring that up because it just clicked in my mind like, that would just open up so many more possibilities for the Bears when they're on the ground. All right, guys, Kyle Long. Now, he's been, this offseason at least, the healthiest that he's been in a long time. Uh, he really proved, and I think he's done this a bunch of times, but I think last year he really proved his worth because the run offense, once he came back too, took noticeable strides when he returned in the later part of the year. And then we know Kyle. We've talked about him for years, and obviously the biggest issue with him is health. Hasn't played a full season in now four years. The last time was 2015. So my biggest question, and Brandon, I'm going to go over to you. Will he play all 16? No. What I about just you, have Daniel? a – Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I'm trying to come up with the, the right way to say it. I just have this gut feeling, I guess, uh, that he's just going to come up with something minor. I mean, I'm so happy that this is the healthiest he's been in an offseason in, like you said, four years. Uh, but – since we're just so accustomed to seeing him exit the season early in one way or another, granted he comes back uh, from time to time. Uh, I I think this will be one of those instances where he's going to have to exit for a couple games and then come back. He's just at a point now he's had so many injuries, so many surgeries that it's, it's hard to be a full hundred percent all the time. So I don't see him playing all 16. What about you, Nick? Would you put your chips on the table for Kyle Long remaining healthy for a season? It'd be huge if he could. Of course. Yeah, it would it would be huge if Kyle Long could do that, but I'm trying to see right now when was the last time if he's even, you know, played an entire season completely. Um I'm going to say would it well, so it's it's been some time since we've seen Kyle Long play an entire season. He's not getting any younger. Um obviously there's a target on the Bears back too now. So teams are going to come, not that they're haven't done that before. Every team's looking to win each and every Sunday, but I think Kyle Long, if he can stay healthy, that's great for the offensive line. I, I'm going to guess that he misses a couple games this season, probably something with the ankle or something like that. You know, knock on wood here that he doesn't, but it's just since 2015. It's not like Kyle Long has shown that he can play an entire season healthy. All right. Are you guys paying attention to anything else about Kyle throughout camp? Uh, the only thing I am is how many veteran days does he get off? I mean, that's a big thing for the for Kyle mm-hmm. Long. I think that will help him, you know, maybe uh, contribute to playing an entire season healthy. So I think you're going to expect it because uh, just with the injury history he's had. Um, but other than that, just being, uh, you know, the leader that he is, um, just any he, he seems he seems excited, which is really he's always, uh, you know, a high passionate guy. But going into the first season since probably that maybe 2015 season where he doesn't have to get some kind of surgery in the offseason. That's great for Kyle Long. He'd start off training camp right, doesn't have to have any setbacks, and then work his way in. He can go. He'll get his uh, you know, veteran days off and then just work his way throughout the entire training camp. But I think that's that's big for Kyle Long. The, well, if you want to take this to the next step, the next thing is when he does have those veteran days off, and we're going to talk about uh, the guys in the bottom half of this depth chart here, but who takes over for him? Because that's going to go a long way of telling who's making this roster because – uh, last year, that was kind of the Eric Cush role to step in and be that guard. We did bring back Ted Larson, and I know I'm getting way ahead of the show, but just who's stepping into that role? Does it change throughout training camp? Do they give 
other undrafted free agents some opportunities with the ones. I mean, I think they're going to have to really impress the coaches to kind of get that sort of, you know, level of practice. But just those are things that with Kyle Long going to necessarily taking some veteran days off, what's plan B for them? Uh, and we'll be able to see that throughout practices. We'll definitely report here on the podcast. But that's just something like a side product of what I'm going to be watching in terms of Kyle Long. All right, last but not least for the starting five, let's look at Bobby Massey, our right tackle. He hasn't really – he has taken, I should say, sorry, uh, strong <laughs> steps forward, uh, and he's now a very acceptable solution in this offense, something we couldn't say three seasons ago. Uh, but last year, in fact, he was the fifth best tackle at allowing pressure uh, of guys that played about 80% of about 1,000 snaps. Uh, he's actually impressed so much that the Bears extended him to a team-friendly four-year deal. It's really more like a two-year deal with some team options after the fact. Um, so really, uh, something I found out that's interesting as well is that this year he does count the least amount, uh, $3.8 million against the cap over every single year that he's already played here in Chicago. This is the least, uh, the smallest, I should say, cap hit that he's had here at, since ever since he's been a Chicago Bear. But Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, even though Massey he has continued to get better each and every year, uh, I do think with a new deal, we do need to have a new set of expectations. So what are you expecting? More of the same? Uh, progression in a certain element of his game? Uh, curious your thoughts. His game can't really drop. Uh, he's at a point now in his career, especially you said with the career, uh, contract extension, uh, that he can't afford to have a, a downswing in here. He can't really afford to get comfortable, especially with his age. He's 28 or 29. Uh, so he's just, he's kind of getting up there in, in football age. So he's going to have to be able to... I don't say play at a peak performance. I think he's past his peak, but he can't really take much of a regression because uh, like you talked about with replacing Kyle Long, right now there's not really that solid in-place replacement option uh, if Bobby Massey doesn't meet expectations. I think he will. He's a professional, and we've seen him improve, which is a good thing because we don't have to have the weekly Who's Bobby Massey Go Up Against segment. Um, so I, I look forward to continue seeing him play and be the the dominant uh, right tackle that he was last year. I think he's going to continue that trend. I think he's continuing to go upward, but this is not a time for him to get comfortable by any means because he still has two years to play for, essentially, like you said, with those extra two team options. Absolutely. What about you, Nick? Any expectations for Bobby Massey? You know, when I was watching the tape, he his name was actually the one that kind of stuck out the most in terms of the negative kind of plays. And, you know, the offensive line did fairly, you know, did fairly well last season in terms of run blocking and, you know, blocking for, for Mitch. But I think Massey, what uh, I want to see him get better at is just getting out of his stance a little quicker. He is, I, I believe he's the biggest, if not, it's Kyle Long, the biggest so. guy on the line. Um, so... I think that he can do a better job of getting out of his stance. There are times where, and if you watch Bobby Massey's stance, it's a little different as opposed to Charles Leno. His right foot, and it's kind of weird, is kind of horizontal on the turf. It's, it's a weird stance, so obviously he's comfortable with it. But your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance, so if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at Cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. 
I want to see him get a little bit quicker out of that stance, especially against those speedy kind of pass mm-hmm. rushers that will obviously would like to just use their speed to get around you as opposed to power and, you know, other moves. So I think that's where he can improve his game because there are times when during the Cardinals game uh, against the Rams and the Vikings where these speed guys gave Massey just a little bit more trouble than as opposed to someone who's just going to go with brute force. So in 2019, I want to see if he can maybe just – if it's a, even a half a second, that's going to be uh, you know great for this offensive line and Mitch because he's not going to have to look to the right hoping that who knows is coming uh, on his on his blind side there. So I just want him to get a little bit faster and out of his stance. I think Massey will, will do a, a good job for this offensive line. He's, he's uh, like I said, um, and like you guys have said, when we got him, he was a little bit of a liability out there. Now – you feel comfortable with Massey out there for the most part, but I think that's an aspect of his game where he can improve on. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be the blind side unless Mitch somehow starts to throw left-handed, and I didn't hear True. about that. <laughs> uh, that, would be, that would change the game. B, did you uh, want to have another point you wanted to bring up? Yeah, then my computer started doing weird stuff, so I just let you talk. But uh, I wanted to agree with, with Nick there, uh, but that is – consistently been his weakness is speed rushers uh and at this point i don't really see him getting much faster so i think what you see with bobby massey speed uh, is what you're going to get and i i don't know much about uh technique as far as why his foot is horizontal that's kind of weird i never actually paid that close attention to it uh that kind of screams like a rolled ankle but it's kind of weird that he's never had one i guess at this point i don't know knock on wood knock on wood right all right, guys, before we move ahead to discuss that offensive line depth and the battles at training camp, I need to call a quick timeout to tell you how you can save $10 on Chicago Bears tickets with our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the ticket, uh, to the actual event, more difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticket sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to buy tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Now, why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, simply put, it's a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the deals. Uh, The green dots mean the good ones. The red dots are the overpriced tickets. And every purchase, it's fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence and as you know everybody here at the chicago audible has its SeatGeek apps on our phone our devices by far it's been the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets uh throughout the past few years here uh again i keep looking at all the bears games if you're looking for the bears and packers game week one well hey you better be ready to pay a pretty penny uh if you're looking for a secondary game again we're going to see the bears versus the kansas city chiefs here late in december right before christmas we would love for you to attend that game as well it's going to be a big game under the lights for matt Nagy going up against of course his mentor and andy Reid and the chiefs trubisky mahomes i mean it goes on and on but the best part of it is as enticing as that game is the seeky gap is just so much fun to use as well uh, we can be anywhere you just pull out your phone within a few taps you can instantly find some seats i love how i can set my own personal budget uh, and then sort by the price so that way i can see the best seats uh, that are available within the price that I'm willing to pay. And like I mentioned, the best part of all is that SeatGeek will give you, even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use our promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. 
All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Little Wit. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. We are sitting here previewing the Chicago Bears offensive line as we have begun our countdown to camp 2019 summer series. And it's time to move ahead to the next tier, the backups. And I think it's best to begin with the ones that we know. And let's begin with Bradley Soule. Last year, swing tackle. He did a fine job when called upon in his role, entering the final year of his two-year contract that he signed last offseason. Uh, he's going to account for $1.8 million against the cap. Um, but I think if he can perform like he did a year ago, that's going to be a non-issue. And Brandon, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, do you expect Sol to kind of retain that swing tackle spot? I do, especially because he's a guy that's you know familiar with the offense. Before, under John Fox, uh, I remember talking about it with Lester Wiltfong Jr. over at Windy City Gridiron. We talked about how he's more of a liability out there in that offense. But last year, I didn't quite notice that so much. I think part of that's because his role somewhat changed. Uh, I don't want to say changed. He's still the swing tackle, but at times he's lined up in goal line situations and he's catching touchdown passes. So one, he's got good hands. So that's a reason to keep him on the team. But uh, I think that he's uh, he's athletic enough that he can be that extra tight end in those situations if need be too so I think that Bradley Saul is a, a very good backup to have on the team he's all of a sudden not this liability uh, granted I don't want to stick him out there for for too long on the offensive line if I don't have to much better suited for the goal line situations what about you Nick do you think that uh, the receiver of I think that was Santa's sleigh is going to stick around for another year <laughs> I think so, and I think what Bradley Sowell does bring to this team is versatility. you got to remember, it was Week 17 against the Vikings. He actually, the first run play of the game, he's lined up as fullback. I think Michael Byrne is now on another team, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's uh, when he was asked to get to a spot – that poor linebacker was looking at Sal like he didn't he didn't want any of it, to be completely honest. He moves pretty well for a big guy. Um, and if he is asked to come in and play tackle, which hopefully isn't the case because that would mean one of the stars is, you know, gone down. Um, you know, I think he can do a serviceable job. And I think that having familiarity with this offense, obviously being with the team now uh, last year, just doing the things that he did. Matt Nagy obviously trusted the guy. You're putting him at fullback. You're putting him uh, at some kind of tight end variation to go catch touchdowns. You're putting him on the offense at some point to make some key blocks. I think that Matt Nagy has some trust with him. And so does Harry Heastan to, one, be able to do these not very, uh, I guess, uh, common things that offensive linemen would do, doing some of these things where you line up in the backfield, going out for passes. So I think there's this there's this element of trust that there is with Bradley Sell. So I think that with that, he's going to be on this team and be one of the, well, well I guess we'll see how many offensive linemen actually make this team. But I think he's one of them. All right. Moving right along, let's talk about Rashad Coward for a minute because he did make the 53-man roster last year. And it was his first season with that transition from the defensive line to offensive tackle. Um, but he wasn't activated for a single game last season. And obviously that's more due to the fact that the tackle position remained relatively healthy uh, other than on him personally. And looking back to last year, I remember how you, me, Brandon, uh, so I guess I'm talking to Nick, but I'm talking to all three of us guys. <laughs> uh, we really were impressed by just how quickly he kind of jumped in that position and looked like a fit. Uh, he proved it in practice, and then when we all traveled to Canton for the Hall of Fame game, we were all kind of taken back just by just how impressed we were by well, how well he was doing. 
But anyway, he's had another year in the shadows, and obviously he's going to be a little bit more seasoned at the position. Uh, personally, I'm excited to see just how much he's grown since the last time we actually saw him in action because it's been some time. So I'm curious, what are going to be your season expectations for Rashad Coward in 2019? Does he stick around? Can he even earn himself the swing tackle spot? I know you guys both just said Bradley Sal is going to make it, but I'm just curious of you, what it, the chances you think. Obviously, he only has experience at right tackle, which obviously does inhibit him a little bit. Um, is there anything else that you're paying attention to with Coward at camp? Let's go to Nick first. You know, this one's going to be interesting for me because I was just looking at last year how many tackles actually made um, this roster. So you have uh, Rashad Coward, you have your two starters, and then you do have Bradley Sal. So four typically make it. And I know there's some other free agents on here that can possibly, you know, push for that spot. But I'm going to give Rashad Coward the benefit of the doubt, maybe being that fourth tackle. Because, again, he did show this amazing progress going from the defensive side of the football to the offensive side and was able to do it pretty well, especially in some of those preseason games. So I think, if anything... Um, it's going to be maybe Coward versus one of these free agents that are trying to try to come in and possibly take that spot. But I'm going to give it to Coward. Uh, if you, we still see this progress being made, him maybe even moving up from maybe the threes to the twos at times, that's going to be, you know, play dividends for him to make this team, maybe not on the active roster, probably, you know, practice squad, maybe again, yet again. But again, he's just showing that he can consistently, you know, compete with some of these other guys that are vying for jobs right now. So I'm going to give it to Coward. He, can be that fourth tackle that possibly makes this team. All right. What about you, B? Any thoughts on Coward? Coward might actually make the roster. In fact, I having him make this 53-man roster as the fourth tackle because I think that he's going to be a cheap option uh, to play at this tackle position. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the most experience. Uh, he only plays one tackle position, like Will said, uh, but he just seemed to get better with each and every drill, each and every rep, which I think is is big for him, especially playing on the other side of the line, but that should also help him mentally and knowing what is this defensive line going to do in this situation if I'm him. Uh, so I think he's got a lot of knowledge surrounding his position here, and I think that that really plays well in his hands. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt as well, making the team uh, and being that that fourth tackle. I, granted, when I was remembering back, looking back at some of the preseason notes, I don't remember seeing him give up a sack. Uh, but granted, you have to take uh, in mind the competition level. So if he can improve, like Nick said, and play against the twos, and not struggle so much, I think he's got a really, really good shot to be the the next backup after Bradley Sowell leaves. Right. And the thing about Coward is he's still raw at the position. And even though I would say he was further along than we thought he was going to be uh, last year. So, again, I'm excited to see just how far his technique has moved along because he has all the physical tools uh, available that he can definitely use to exploit and be a success at the position. So, for me, I want to see just how far along that technique has kind of uh, came through over the last year. All right, moving on to Ted Larson. He's back. <laughs> after spending one season in Chicago, uh, that was 2016, uh, Larson has returned after two seasons down in Miami. He played 23 of 32 games. Uh, he did spend half of 2017 on IR. And just in case you need a refresher on what kind of player is Ted Larson, he's what I'm going to call that Eric Cush type. He's that veteran. He can play any interior position, including center. Uh, who provides quality depth throughout all three spots. He's not really the guy that you want to see starting, but if he has to, that's really okay as there's not too much drop-off. So I already know my expectations for Larson, and that's to fill that Eric Cush kind of role from a season ago, although I don't think he's going to have to split reps with James Daniels to start the year. Mm -hmm. 
But guys, I'm curious. Anything else on Larson that you'd be paying attention to at training camp, overall expectations for the guy? Again, even though I think he's that Eric Cush type of player, he is not really a lock to make this roster. Let's go to Nick first. You know what? I, I do think he does end up making this roster. Uh, the Bears do like to carry a couple extra interior guys. And I think knowing that Kyle Long is possibly a guy that maybe won't uh, – you know, play an entire season. That's why you want to have some extra interior guys and a veteran like Ted Larson. I think he's going into his 10th season now and already having that familiarity with being on the bears. Um, I think that he's a guy, look, you don't honestly want to see Ted Larson in the game, but if it comes down to it, yes, it's a guy that you can, I still run your offense through. It's not going to be something to where you have to run to the left side. If he's filling it for Kyle long, hopefully he gets a job done. We saw, you know, Witzman and guys like that Kush come in, you know, be able to be serviceable guys. So that's what I'm expecting from Ted Larson. Nothing, nothing beyond that. He's uh, you know, he's a veteran. He's traveled and played on a couple of different teams now. So not the highest expectations. I do expect him to make this roster, but that's about it for me and Ted Larson. Oh, you guys are over. We well, are I over. Get, I didn't get. Oh, you're talking about Nick and Ted. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't get to talk. <laughs> Brandon, Ted Larson, it's your turn. Teddy. Um. So, yeah, like you said, he's the, the plug and play guy. And I would have no issue with him going in there and, and starting if he absolutely had to. But I only have the Bears keeping eight offensive linemen. Uh, and I'm pretty confident in that until Nick said, well, with the injury issue, you might want to carry a couple interior linemen, you know, with Kyle Long. And then I'm kind of thinking, you know, Maybe they keep him up, but I, I've got him on the bubble. If they do keep nine, I think Ted's definitely the guy that's going to make the team, but he'll be kind of towards the bottom there. He is a very mean guy. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys, similar to Eric Cush, Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long, vocal, mean, just going to go go get after it. And he's a very uh, good offensive lineman for the role that he's going to have. He's getting a little older, so that's kind of why I've got him on the bubble. He did only sign a one-year deal, so it's uh, – a prove it kind of year or it's just a veteran kind of deal and they'll bring him back for one year next year if they decide they want to. But I've got Ted Larson on the bubble. I don't think he's a lock uh, to make this roster. It's crazy because we went from Ted Larson, then we signed Eric Cush. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the guy to replace Ted Larson. And now we bring back Ted. And <laughs> this is the guy to replace Eric Cush. They're just so interchangeable. It's, it's pretty funny. But uh, did you guys hear the story about Ted Larson uh, kind of tearing up when he came back to Chicago? I did not know. Well, apparently, uh, and my source is myself here on this story, so take it for what it's worth. (laughs) But uh, when he got here and he saw Matt Nagy's playbook and he remembered the John Fox playbook and Dow Loggins from a couple years ago when he was here, he brought a little tear to his eye because he's like, wow, a real offense. And, of course, he was playing with Brock Osweiler (laughs) last year too. So I'm sure he's just excited all the way around. (laughs) Yeah, I would cry too. I mean, having that happen, going from Brock (laughs) Osweiler to Mitch and Loggins, yeah, that would make me cry. Absolutely. All right, guys. Now, we are getting to that next year, and I'm going to call these guys, uh, this group, like the unknowns, right? Because we have plenty of young talent heading into camp, but again, a lot of these players, especially at the NFL level, there's a lot to be uh, to learned about them, to say the least. Uh, to be, before I get to listing them, uh, we do have one other veteran on the team. Um, his name is... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo SmartBase from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Cornelius Lucas, uh, he's a journeyman. He's in his fifth year. I think he's played with... 
almost the same amount of teams that he has years play in the NFL. Uh, so take that for what it's worth. But after Lucas, we have six undrafted rookies in the fold here. We have Alex Bars out of Notre Dame, Blake Blackmar out of Baylor, Tommy Doles out of Northwestern. He just re-signed again today. I think now that is two times the Bears have signed him now in the month of May. Joe Lowry out of Ohio, Sam Mustafer out of Notre Dame, Marquez Tucker out of Southern Utah. So guys, out of this group, who is making the team, if any? Brandon, you're up. I have Alex Bars making a team because you kind of have to know somebody to get a job sometimes. I think this is one of those deals where Harry Heastan knew Alex Bars and knew the talent level that he had. Alex Bars is a very, very good guard. Moves very well, especially for his size. Uh, I've got it written down here somewhere. Okay, yeah, 6'6", 315. And he's also played a variety of positions. He's played both guards, and he's also played a little bit of right tackle in his college career as well. So he knows how to play a variety of positions. He moves well, and he knows the standard that Harry Heastand has for his offensive linemen. The knock on him is his injuries. He tore his ACL and MCL last year, and three years ago he had a broken ankle. So when your knees and your ankles go out, especially as an offensive <laughs> lineman, uh, really hard to play your position at that point. But he's got a lot of talent coming in. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he's a very viable option to be the long-term replacement for Kyle Long. Yeah, you know, you said that, and I think that is – it's reasonable. I think we're a few steps away from drawing that comparison. But, I mean, I talked about it throughout the draft episodes that this could be one of those long-winded kind of processes if you're looking for that Kyle Long replacement. And maybe it's a couple of years down the road. Maybe it's after this season, depending on how the Bears want to kind of address the situation. And, of course, if it's bars, depending on how far he kind of comes along. But before the injury, he was known as one of the top guards in the entire draft class. And then with that injury, obviously, he, he fell out of the draft. But like you said, he knew somebody. He was able to come near Chicago, which put a smile on my face because not only did I mention his name on the podcast about someone to potentially draft in the later rounds, but he's also from Notre Dame, uh, which, again, has the high stand connection or the he stand connection. And more importantly, it's a big need, like you said. So for me, I like the potential that it brings. Health is always going to be a concern. Uh, with them, but even if it's someone who needs to sit on the practice squad for a year to get healthy, a redshirt year, he's not in a bad position whatsoever for Chicago. But he is also who I put out of this group. If if any of these undrafted free agent rookies are making the roster, I thought it was going to be Bars as well. But Nick, how about you? Do you have a different name? So I had Bars, but you know, just for the case of uh, you guys having him as well, I'll go with Sam Mustafer. Also, Brandon, you made a good point, and it was. Uh, on my notes for for bars, just have to know somebody sometimes. And I obviously Musfer also played at Notre Dame, and he's gonna know Harry Heastan there as well. He was a captain in 2018. Um, so we're gonna go back though, not to so 2018 was his graduate season. His senior season, just looking at all the accolades he accomplished, it's pretty impressive. He started all 13 games at center. He did not surrender a sack or a quarterback hit and yield just six quarterback hurries in 889 offensive snaps. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy that, one, he's been consistent. Hasn't been injured like uh, um, his his teammate there at Notre Dame. So, started all 13 games in 2017. Started all 12 games his graduate season 2018. Started all 12 games 2016. So, it's a guy that's been healthy. And just because he plays center, that doesn't mean you can't fluctuate him and move him maybe to one of the guard positions. So I think if there is a guy that makes his team, and I don't think either one will make the 53-man roster, it's going to be practice squad. It's going to be one of these guys from Notre Dame. But I will go with Mustafer as the guy that potentially gets that uh, gets that spot. 
I want to add the must for real quick too. I watched some tape on him uh, this week. He's just so fundamentally sound. It's that's how you don't give up any sacks, hardly any quarterback pressures. Is you're just so fundamentally sound, and that's exactly what he is because that's what he stand preaches. Uh, so with that being said, don't look at his pro day results because he ran a five five nine forty yard dash, the slowest in the uh, Brian Kelly era there at Notre Dame. So his measurables are the reason why he goes undrafted. Uh, but if you do the old school thing and look at tape, you'll see that he's a very good center. I mean, don't we have offensive linemen running 40-yard dashes like every play? That's a well, huge yeah. – that's huge. Oh, like, absolutely. They're just burning down I just down thought the field. that that was interesting <laughs> that that was the slowest in the Brian Kelly era. Like, <laughs> I guess I've is. never actually paid attention to offensive linemen's 40 until i seen that. Now, one last thing about Bars, and I forgot to mention, uh, that he did get the second highest undrafted free agent contract for the Bears. And Brandon, you talked about having to know somebody. I'm also a believer that if you follow the money trail, that usually works as well. So that's just another kind of uh, tidbit about Alex Bars. All right. Now, we talked about who we think is going to make this roster, potentially. Again, we're not saying that these are the UDFAs that are going to make the roster, just who has the best chance. Do you guys have any practice squad candidates as well. Any, anyone else that you're slightly enticed by? Cause mine, I have Marquez Tucker. My money's on him. He had two years of community college before having to move up to Southern Utah. He's still a very raw guy. He only played three years of high school football. Hence why he had to start at a community college uh, due to asthma, which as a, you know, pursuing one else who has asthma kind of connected there just by looking into him a little bit, but he's still very raw. He needs some work on his overall technique before really being a viable option in the pros. So to me, someone who has a lot of potential, a lot of raw talent, but is a little bit rough, that seems like a perfect project for Harry Heastan, someone that he would really want to have on board because it's kind of like having a chunk of clay that he gets to find a way to mold. So for me, Marquez Tucker may just be a prime practice squad candidate, and I'll definitely be checking him out throughout training camp. But what about you, B? Do you have anybody else that's kind of on your radar out of these guys? Yeah, I've got Tommy Doyle's on the uh, bubble as well, and I don't think that he necessarily makes it at 6'4", 295. He's a, he's a guard that he can stand out there alone in pass pro, which was really impressive to watch, especially some of the competition that he went up against uh, playing in the Big Ten with Ohio State, uh, Michigan, a lot of the other uh, very good Big Ten teams out there. And he was he held his own on his own for the most part. Very good in one-on-one pass pro situations. And I think that enough, if he can have a couple few good days at training camp, or a rookie mini camp or OTAs, whatever, and make himself stand out. I think that he definitely earns a chance to be able to make it to the practice squad because he's a, especially as pass heavy as pass heavy as this offense is going to get. I think that that's something that can't necessarily be overlooked. I think Tommy Doyle's can fit that role pretty well. What about you, Nick? Uh, like I said, I don't expect any of these undrafted free agents to actually make the 53. So if there are going to be a guys out of um, what is the six that you mentioned, uh, it's going to be, I think, Alex Bars or Sam Mustafer. I'm talking practice squad. Yeah, that's going to actually make the practice squad. Oh, out well. of those two. All right. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> Things are clicking. We're good. We're good. All right. So to end the show, if you guys need a refresher, because it's been some times, I like to end the countdown to camp shows with a few big picture questions. I also have some kind of fun ones along the way here. And to begin, and Nick, I want to go right back to you because we just had that fumble over the exchange. So going <laughs> to you, who's going to be the MVP of the offensive line at the end of the year? Oh, man, great question. I think MVP, 
Ah, the bias is going to show. I think it will be James Daniels transitioning to that center position and solidifying it. Um, like I said, for a lot of the reasons where he can be the most athletic guy, can get to whatever spot um, the play really wants him to be at, I think if James Daniels can have a really good season there and transition and make the jobs easier for the rest of the offensive linemen and you know the offense in general, that's going to play dividends and hopefully you know increasing this running game because, look, they ha- I think they finished around ninth in yards. I think they're a lot better than that. There's a lot more potential. If that offensive line is gelling, that to where they can definitely improve those numbers, especially having the running back that they have in David Montgomery now. I think if James Daniels is able to solidify that position, get everything right, get his rest of his teammates uh, among the offensive line in position to make the right plays, get block the right guys, that's going to be really beneficial for this offense overall. So I'm going to give it to James Daniels as being the MVP of this group. All right, Brandon, I'm sure you're thinking of an MVP, but I actually have a different question for you. Out of the starting five, which one is going to, I'm not, I don't want to say, be the weakness, the Achilles heel. I was trying to find a nice way to put it. Is it going to be Bobby oh. Massey yet again? I, I think so. Um, I think last year the two weak links were James Daniels just because he was a rookie. Very good plug-and-play guy, but still one of the weak links. Uh, and like Nick said earlier, Bobby Massey. And I think that we've kind of seen Bobby Massey peak a little bit. He's going to get better as far as hand placement goes, winning the point of attack, hopefully. Uh, but he, he's still going to struggle with some of those speed guys, and that's just something that he's never been good at, and that's that's hard to combat uh, when you're on the edge. So I think for that reason, he's going to be the weak link. All right. I want to do a couple over-unders now. Uh, the first one is going to be for sacks. Last year, uh, Trubisky and Chase Daniel were sacked 34 times. Now, you have to take into account that some of those are going to be on the quarterback, and if I can remember uh, Chase Daniel playing for a few games. A lot of them were on Chase. I'm just getting rid of that football. But regardless, I dropped it down. I just took rid, got rid of four. 30 is a good even number here. So at the end of the day, over and under on 30 sacks allowed by this offensive line. And let's go to Brandon first. I'm going to say under. I think this is a group that's going to improve, uh, especially now with a little more knowledge of the offense. Trubisky can stay healthy. Uh, the consistency really helps because – like you said, Chase Daniel got sacked nine times out of those 34. So a different quarterback thrown in there kind of helps that sack number jump a little bit. So I think with some consistency in the offense, the same player, same quarterback, uh, I think that's easily going to be under 30. Nick, how about you? I could see it definitely being under 30 as well. Knowing the offense is really going to help Mitch get the ball out a little bit quicker than he was prone to having it at times last season. And I think there is that continuity along that offensive line, even though there could be a switch in the interior with Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. I think for the most part, keeping that group together and just knowing the offense is going to play dividends and having less sacks this season. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under on 30. All right. One last over-under for today's show. Uh, I'm going to do penalties, but two specifically, false start and holding. I, those are the ones that are obviously called the most. Last year's number is 40, so I think that's a, obviously a good even number to work with. So over or under 40, false start and holding penalties combined from the Bears offensive line. Not just the starting five, of course, because they're not going to be the ones playing all the snaps, but everybody combined throughout the entire 16-game process. Let's go to Nick for this one first. I mean, there isn't any reason to think that that could be less just for the same reason I gave, you know, for the last answer. If you know the offense a little bit better, you know when the count's going to be at. The thing is, when you go into enemy territory, like maybe those false starts and trying to get that silent count going, that's going to be something that regardless of where you're at in offense, it's going to be tough on an offensive line, a quarterback to get that right. So there is not 
that that false start penalty or the pre-snap penalties. But I would say less just because, again, knowing the offense, the familiarity between that group, you should expect less penalties with this group. B, are you in agreement? I am, but I just want to play devil's advocate for one because I haven't had a chance to yet. I'm going to take the over because there's more primetime games, some later games this year, and those games typically get kind of hostile, kind of loud, so you have to be on the same page as the quarterback and the rest of the team. I think you see more of those pre-snap penalties in those types of games, so I'm going to take the over only by a little bit. You know what? And there's going to be possibly more opportunities for this offense to go score points, so if they're out there more times, you're going to be – susceptible to maybe causing more penalties, which, I mean, if it ends in a touchdown, regardless, it's all good, but there's just more opportunities to create mistakes. So I'll play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, if that even makes sense. I don't even know. (laughs) Double devil's advocate. All right. Interesting, guys. All right, and my final question for the show, when you're looking at this roster, 60% of the starting five has made it to the Pro Bowl. You're looking at uh, White here, Leno Jr., and Kyle Long. James Daniels seems like a good a candidate to make it up there sooner rather than later. Bobby Massey, well, he's Bobby Massey. But anyway, <laughs> my question is, guys, knowing the talent level on this offensive line, especially that starting five, can they be a top five unit in the NFL in 2019? Yes or no, and why, Nick? I think they can. Uh, I think when you look at that interior, that's probably one of the better interior uh, offensive line offensive line group in the entire NFL, especially if you have a healthy Kyle Long, what he's able to do when, you know, he can play and get into a rhythm in a season. He is just a, you know, someone that just punishes opposing defensive linemen and linebackers or wherever he ends up in a play. Um, I think that is a group where, where you look at it, and especially when you see where the rushing numbers I'm anticipating are going to be, where Mitch's passing numbers are going to be. A lot's going to be because that offensive line was able to do their job. So I would say that it is definitely possible for this group to really be a top five unit. Um, just expecting the offensive jumps that they're going to make. Yeah, I would I would definitely say so. B, top five? With a healthy Kyle Long and with James Daniels making the, the bigger leap that we are expecting him to, and even if Bobby Massey just improves a little bit, then yeah, I absolutely think that they can. The, the potential is still very high with Harry Heastand at the helm uh, coaching these guys up. So very talented group going in, and I don't see any reason why, especially with another year of knowing the offense, that they can't be. Perfect. All right. That's a great optimistic way to end this episode. Episode, geez, this episode. <laughs> so, from three Bears fans to another, uh, we want to thank each and every one who tuned into the live recording, and of course, a big thank you to our podcast listeners around the globe. We'll be back next week with our next installment of Countdown to Camp, as we're going to discuss the Bears' current situation. And yes, I'm pulling. Uh, I'm just going to pull rank here and decide on the spot. Uh, we're going to talk about the tight ends next week. Will Adam Shaheen finally come into his own? Can Trey Burton build off that? How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Season, do the Bears have enough depth at the position? We'll answer those questions and a whole lot more next time on at the Chicago Audible. But until then, 
Bear Down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago bear.